Welcome back to the Adventures of a Disney Dad podcast. My name is Matt, and I am a dad of three and the founder of AdventuresofADisneyDad.com, a travel agent with the Magic for Less Travel, and your host. I'm joined by Chip, my co-host, soon to be a dad of five. We are running up on that January due date soon. Chip, how are my Maslin Tigers? How is the family doing? Tell me all about it. Oh, we're doing great. We had a huge win on Saturday, 35 nil. Shut out. I love to see it. 134th meeting. Brought the bell back to Maslin. Kids are kids are good. It's getting ready for Halloween season, I guess. So I think being I know we're recording early before this comes out, but Halloween parties are tomorrow at school. So kids are excited for that. Awesome. And what are the kids being this year? That's a good question. Bear Bear's a ninja. I think Kenzie's a pumpkin. Ryland was a like a unicorn princess thing. And Axel will get whatever we find in the closet. <laughs> Are you dressing up? No. We're doing uh, the family is doing all of Super Mario Brothers. Oh, nice. So we got Mario, Luigi, Princess Peach. My wife is Princess Daisy, and I got a Bowser costume. Oh, and the awesome. Bowser costume was awesome. I'm like ridiculously excited <laughs> to wear it. So it'll be a lot of fun. So we'll do a Halloween recap next week, and that'll that'll bring it into. At Walt Disney World, that'll bring it into Mickey's Not So Scary shortly thereafter and jumping right into the Christmas season, which we know Chip's <laughs> Chip's household loves. I, I'm excited about it. I think I'm being converted to a let's get the decorations up as quickly as possible kind of guy. So it should be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. This week, we're going to be talking about budgeting for your Disney or Universal vacation. We're going to give a few of our tips, some of our favorite budgeting hacks, if you will, and how we save money with our families when we go to Walt Disney World. We are not going to be doing Disney math on this episode where you get to Walt Disney World and absolutely (laughs) anything goes and you just spend on anything without paying attention to it at all, even though that is how it sometimes happens. But before we get into our segment, and we've got some great listener questions too, and we'll do our normal overrated and underrated at the end. But before we get into that, we had a crazy busy week of Walt Disney World news. So we're going to run through it all really quickly and kind of give some of our thoughts on some of these. Chip, the one that I was probably the most excited about and I think caused the most buzz online was the Haunted Mansion bar reveal for the Disney treasure. And this was coupled with, at the end of this week, the Disney 2025 Disney Cruise Line itineraries were released and they start booking next week, which is a very quick turnaround. So if you're interested in those, make sure you check them out. Reach out to us. Uh, If you're interested in booking something, we'll be happy to get you a quote. But putting all that aside with the Disney Cruise Line itineraries, Chip, what did you think of Entertainment Weekly's leak of the Haunted Mansion bar that'll be on the new Disney treasure? Well, first, I thought it, it's got to go where the Star Wars bar is at you know, on the on the Wish. The way that it the the way it opens, it looks exactly like it's going to be that same spot. I, I like it. I mean, that means they're they're bringing more of the Magic Kingdom onto onto the ship with the Jungle Cruise bar, and then we're going to have the Haunted Mansion bar. It'll be interesting. I think the drinks are going to be phenomenal. Yeah, I, I I again, this is the kind of thing that's going to try and get me to convince my wife to to go on a cruise. <laughs> But I am insanely jealous as a predominantly parks guy and not as much a cruise guy. It looks amazing. Like the the virtual walkthrough tour 
even the music, kind of the ambiance that you could get just from watching it, it looked really, really cool. And my my biggest issue, if you want to call it that, is we need this stuff in the resorts. We need it in the parks. <laughs> we need this theming. We just need more of it. And I, I, I'm certain that there are issues with capacity and things like that when you talk about the resorts and parks. But this is really cool. And to me, this is Disney doing what it does best and taking things to a whole different level. I mean, it just looks really awesome. So I, uh, I'm really excited about it. I'm, I'm with you. I, I looked at the uh, Seven Night uh, on the on the Treasure Western Caribbean. It's definitely, definitely calling my name. I don't know if I can afford it, but it's calling my name. <laughs> I, I think uh, a lot of people certainly probably felt that way. And it, it definitely just, it, like, and I'm watching the video right now on the corner of my screen, and I just, I, I can't stop watching it with the three hatbox ghosts, or the three, the three hitchhiking ghosts coming out of the mirror behind the bar. It just looks, it just looks really cool. There's um, going to be, there's going to be more to come on that. I'm going to guess that there's going to be more, some more leaks in the next couple months. So it should be pretty cool. Yeah. And, and I will note it was like all digital renderings, right? So it's not any yeah. actual photos of the interior, although it looks very realistic and it does give you a lot of the feel It is certainly something to get excited about. We also got dates announced for Festival of the Festival of the Arts. It'll be starting January 12th in 2024. I think everybody kind of expected it to start around that time. It usually starts just after Marathon Weekend, which I believe the marathon this year is going to be on uh, January 7th. So it's just getting started thereafter. And that's also the reason why most of the changes that are happening for 2024 are all happening starting January 9th because they're avoiding the big crowds for Marathon Weekend. So they'll get through those and then you don't need park reservations and all that fun stuff. They also announced After Hours are going to be back at Janu- in January at Magic Kingdom and Epcot. And coupled with that, they're bringing back Enchantment at After Hours at those Magic are, those Kingdom. Are, those are hard ticket events, right? Those are hard ticket events and they are very different. And we, we've talked about this a little on the show. They're very different in my opinion than like Mickey's not so scary or the Christmas parties. The after hours events are really where the park is empty. They're a great opportunity for date nights. If you can get someone to watch your little ones and they they really are from my experience, walk on rides and the kind of stuff you want where the you're you're getting what you paid for in terms of being able to do a bunch of attractions and have the park at a much lower capacity versus the hard ticket events like Mickey's Not So Scary where there's still a lot of people in the parks and there's a lot of waits and, and things like that. But I think this is really interesting, Chip, that they're bringing. So if you go to Magic Kingdom on a hard ticket night, you're going to be able to have the opportunity to see Happily Ever After and Enchantment. I, I think people liked it. I never saw it. I thought the music, I listened to the music and I thought the music was okay. I know, but it, I think it's just something uh, to, to draw people in, you know I mean? They, what they, what it run 18 months. Yeah. That, I, so the music's great. It, it just doesn't happily ever after to me, kind of hits you in the feels a little bit more and it's got that nostalgia and the, the song and, and the music. I, I I'm just, I'm a big happily ever after guy. But I do think that it's a huge value to be able to see two fireworks shows for the hard ticket event. And I mean, you're you're only going to be, I'm presuming here based on the announcement that you're only going to be able to see 
happily ever after also if you have the hard ticket event ticket just based on the timing i'm assuming yeah, I that would, i wouldn't be shocked if they try and they do it and then they close the park that's what they they turn like they do sometimes with like mickey's not so scary they'll do happily ever after like six and yeah and and maybe they do that but even then you know they're starting to usher people out at six and like block off areas of the park and things like that so you can definitely expect lower crowds at least for your happily ever after that night if not very low crowds which i think is a unique opportunity i mean when you talk about getting happily ever after and two fireworks shows and an empty theme park for the most part for you know 150 160 bucks i think it's it's a pretty solid deal i love the after hours events so i i think they're a great opportunity um, to get a lot of stuff done and really enjoy it. We did a date night, my wife and I, at an after hours event at Magic Kingdom, and we had a blast. We didn't last that long, that late, because we're used to going to bed with kids, but it was definitely a lot of fun, and, and we definitely felt like we got our money's worth. They also announced, and this one I, I think is really interesting because we've touched on this a little too, Chip. They they announced a new look castle, and they gave us a bunch of new details for Jollywood Nights. There's going to be a holidays and Hollywood variety show holidays in Hollywood variety show with Mickey Kermit and the gang, Miss Piggy, Minnie, those folks. And then they're also going to have the nightmare before Christmas sing along, which I think would be an absolute blast with kids <laughs> to go in there and scream. What's this at the top of your lungs and sing the Oogie Boogie song and all that kind of stuff. But the, the really interesting part here to me was the new look castle. That's going to be, you know, it's the lights on the castle, the projections, and it's yeah. going to be themed for Frozen, and it'll be exclusive for the Hollywood or the holiday parties. But I, I kind of got the impression that that may be something you see a lot of other nights outside of the Hollywood, uh, the holiday parties. I don't know why I keep wanting to say Hollywood <laughs> outside of the holiday parties. And I'm a huge fan of this. Uh, yeah. I, I wish they would bring back the icicle lights. That was one of my favorite things that they used to do around the holidays. One of my favorite memories is running through the castle when it's got all of the icicle lights on it at Marathon Weekend because they keep it up for that first week in January. But I think this is a cool step in the right direction to do the projections because I think it's from the pictures, it looks gorgeous. They posted some videos on the Disney Parks Instagram and Twitter, and it looks really, really spectacular. So I think it's a step in the right direction. What do you think, Chip? I thought I. It... Listen, the lights, anytime they would make the castle look like frozen, like when Elsa would freeze the castle and put the lights on. I mean, it's just gorgeous. Mm -hmm. um, and, and changing the cat, I mean, it's not hard for them to do. And it, you're going to get, like, I'd go out and watch it. My family would go out and watch them change the lights and do all that. I mean, anytime they can do that, I think it's a good, easy way to draw people away from rides and things like that and get them out watching like that show. Yeah, I, I am going to hold out for the possibility of one day getting the icicle lights back. Although I, <laughs> I, I really doubt that that's going to happen at this point, but we'll see. Yeah. They also announced that Blizzard Beach is going to be reopening November 6th. It has been in refurbishment since March, so it's going to be coming back. Chip, are you a big Blizzard Beach guy or are you more Typhoon Lagoon? Big, big Blizzard Beach guy. I'm not a big like I'm not a big wave guy, wave pool guy. I don't know why. I'm I'm a decent swimmer. We grew up. We went to Blizzard Beach. I love the Frozen theming they put in there, which was crazy that they opened it after it had been closed for about a year, and then they opened it for six months and refurbished again. 
so summit plummet i think it's calling my name in, in uh, july so so I'll, I'll be going down yeah you will be ready and i i did have a few people reach out to me you know that are listeners of the podcast asking you know if i think it'll be still you know being worked or being available like next august or whatever and I, i'm i'm guessing you probably won't see a refurbishment next year for blizzard beach because it was such a lengthy one this year well, and you saw that they they released that 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 water park pass for like seventy nine dollars is a mm-hmm. year or like the June to August pass. That's a deal. Yeah, I know. I I, I definitely sixty nine dollars to get in there. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I I think you're going to see a lot more people coming back to the water parks next year as we continue to see the parks you know have increases in attendance and things like that. Just as a reminder, last week we launched the free dining plan calculator for families. So definitely check that out at adventureswithdisneydad.com. You can go in there, you can put in your number of nights, number of adults, number of children, and it'll spit out all the different dining plan information that you need. You can make some adjustments and it'll tell you whether or not the dining plan is a good fit for your family, how much money you might save using it. It includes the refillable mugs, the snacks, all that stuff. So you can get a much better understanding because 2024 is the year of the dining plans. We haven't had them in a while. They're coming back. And what I've found is that you really need to pay attention to get a win for your family with the dining plans. It is not a given that you are going to save money with them. Disney has done a pretty spectacular job of pricing these to where a lot of times, if you're not paying attention, you're going to come out break even or you're going to pay, be paying a little bit more on the dining plans. And that's assuming that you use all the benefits. So definitely take some time to check out that calculator. Let us know if you have questions. But keep in mind, this is kind of the base advice that I've been giving people. If you're considering a dining plan, the more children you have, the more likely you are to save money. Yep. Where and, and, and where people really get confused is that children for the dining plans means ages three to nine. So if you are 10 and up, you're eating the $94 a day for table service, $94 a day dining plan. And it is really hard to get $95 worth of value for a 10-year-old at Disney on food because, Chip, you and I both know that they're just not going to eat that much. They don't eat like adults. And they can't order on the kids' dining menu at that point. and, And with that, like I used the calculator this week. I was looking at our plan plans for the summer and my daughter's going to be 10 but we have four other kids that will be under 10 so only two of them are going to be on the dining plan but it still makes sense because my between my wife and i we're going to make make it work and then yeah we might pay a little bit more for her but I, we go to buffets yeah and, and we do a buffet buffet for dinner and that's 60 dollars because it gets my two little ones that are under three in there for free. So, And I think what you're going to see, Chip, this is just my theory, because in my opinion, a lot of people haven't really started to dig into the dining plans yet. The The, the first January dining plan ADRs are going to be coming up soon, and we're going to get a much better idea of how people are attacking this. But my theory is that the optimal way to make your dining reservations is going to be for like BOMA, Chef Mickey's, Garden Grill, Chef Artsmith's Homecoming, any of those upper echelon single table service credit meals, those are going to be the hottest and hardest to get, particularly Chef Mickey's and Garden Grill, because they're going to be the only character dining that have one table service credit. 
which is uh, is huge. Well, you got you got Asker shoots in there too. No, it's it's I believe Asker shoots. I think is two, if I remember oh. correctly. I could be it wrong. It used to not be. It used to not be. So if it is, that 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 might change. And I'm pretty you know, sure. If, if if what's the one over at the Grand? If if that ever opens yeah. back up, there used to be a one one dining credit too. So I just double checked our guide on adventuresofadisneydad.com and Akershus, along with Cinderella's Royal Table, Storybrooke Dining at Artist Point with Snow White, and Dinner at Be Our Guest are all two table service credits. Oh, so like wow. Akershus would be a waste in my opinion. Yes. I, and, I, and, I, and I waste might be a strong word, but you're better off in that scenario paying out of pocket for Akershus instead of paying for... Because if you use the two table service credits, you're going to have to pay for Akershus with your table service credits. And then you also have to pay for another meal because you lose a table service credit. So really, you'd be better off paying out of pocket for Akershus and then using the two table service credits somewhere else. And I think that's one thing that people need to remember is that like, I'm not saying you shouldn't eat at a two table service credit restaurant. I mean, there's a lot of really good ones. I mean, the Boathouse... Hollywood Derby, Topolino's Terrace, the Yachtsman. Like, I love those restaurants. I'm just saying don't use your two table service credits on them. Yeah. You, you know, maximize the places like Boma and Chef Mickey's and those those places. And, you know, then pay for Citricos or Flying Fish out of pocket and don't use the dining plan for it. But what I think we're going to see once the ADRs start rolling in for people that are on the dining plans is that those top tier single table service credit meals are going to be the ones that are going to be the hardest to get. Yeah. That's just my, that's my theory because if I've got guests that are talking to me about the dining plan or I'm doing their ADRs, those are the ones that I think are the most important because I would be eating at those restaurants every trip that I'm on the dining plan because that's where you're going to maximize the amount of money. And we're talking about budgeting. So if you want to budget and you want to save some money, you know, have breakfast at Boma on the dining plan where it's, you know, 60 bucks a person without, your drinks and all that stuff and it'll add up quick jumping into the last bit of our news the i want to touch there's one i want to touch on and i'm going to switch it to last i want to note that for any of our listeners the skyliner is going to be getting refurbished in mid-january i've got the uh exact dates up on facebook and on my social media but mid-january if you're on any skyliner resorts kind of do a double check as to whether or not you want to do a switch or if you really want to stay at that resort, if you're at Caribbean Beach or somewhere else, you might want to pop over to Coronado Springs or a different resort because you will not have Skyliner access on your vacation in mid-January. The last one, I think everybody who's a hardcore Disney fan saw it on social media. Some idiot jumped into the lake at Epcot on a $6,000 bet and got a, I think he said a lifetime ban was what I saw this morning. Yeah. I, I, Chip, I get the vibe that we're going to see more of this kind of crap moving forward as social media continues to to kind of do what it does. Well, I just, and we, I just we see a little it. of this. What? I just don't get it. Like, like cool, $6,000. But if, what if you're on vacation? Like, they're kicking you out of everything. Like, they're, they're kicking you out of not just the parks. They're going to kick you out of your resort. Well, and what if you've got like you you have no idea 20 years from now if you're gonna have grandkids that want to go to Disney and you can't go because you have to tell them you're an idiot and you're the guy looked like he was young, he looked like he was our age, like you know, young yeah. 30s. And 
I, I mean, stupidity is on a different level. And and more important, like your buddy better pay up. <laughs> you know, if you're going to do that, you better have confidence that your boy is going to cut the check for the 6K. Because if he doesn't, he's going to be in a heap of trouble. And, and just because the lawyer in me nerds out, there's probably fines and criminal stuff and legal issues that might cost you more than $6,000 for doing something that stupid anyway. So I, I don't, I don't know, but the, the videos online, if you want to watch it, go check it out. I don't like to give that stuff much publicity, but it it was kind of all over the place. And I, I felt like we had to touch on it a little bit because in, in a little bit of a sense, it was kind of funny the way the guy got, got back out and just kind of nonchalantly soaking wet. Tried to go on with his day as if he wasn't going to get caught. It was kind of funny. Yeah. So, Chip, let's jump into it a little bit. Let's talk budgeting for families out there that are headed to Walt Disney World, thinking, you know, on their first trips and they're looking at this price tag of these quotes that they're getting for Walt Disney World. And I, I, I do think that lately people have been surprised at how affordable Walt Disney World is. They've got it in their mind that it's a, you know, $5,000 plus trip. And I think with a lot of the discounts and promotional opportunities right now, you can definitely make it happen for a lot more affordable amounts than that. Chip, what are some of the things that you guys think about or do when you're budgeting for your trips? So one of the biggest things is is meals. I know the meal plan, dining plan's coming back. We're a dining plan family. But this last trip, we had to think about how we were going to eat. We're not the huge, we don't, we're not going to go sit at the Citricos, Grand California. That's just not us. My wife's very frugal. So one of the biggest things we do is I look at prices of meals and see where I can get the best bang for my buck. So what I've got written down is some breakfast, decently priced breakfast options. Number one's over at Whispering Canyon. Going over there, you can go over there and get the skillet. I think it's like if you go for breakfast, it's 26 bucks and it's all you care to eat. It's great food. Um, it's a good time. The, the service is phenomenal. The other one I have is Ale, I think it's Ale and Compass. Mm-hmm. They have a breakfast buffet that you can it, uh, up on the buffets like biscuits and gravy, fruit, cinnamon rolls. But then you can also order an entree. Mm-hmm. And I think it, I think it's twenty two dollars for the buffet and entree. And some of the entrees are nineteen dollars. So for three extra dollars, you are getting a buffet with food and, and you can fill up on that and that might be two meals for you that might be like you go at that that's your break you go at 10 o'clock after you open the park at eight o'clock and then you go back to the pool for a little bit and then come back in mid-afternoon so and I'm and just just, to- just just for context for people you know breakfast at boma is 37 dollars for adults and dinner at boma is 56 dollars for adults and i think that's probably the highest priced buffet style breakfast. So that's a pretty good savings, you know, there at Whispering Canyon and Allen Compass. And the food oh, yeah. is, I'm sure it's just as good, probably not as many options as Boma, but, and Boma is really good, but the food well, so there, like, Whispering Canyon is good too. Like the skillet, my kids all got the breakfast skillet, which came with Mickey waffles, bacon, sausage, all that. I got the, the carnivore, which came with ribs, pulled pork, and then we shared it. And so they just mm-hmm. kept bringing out like my wife wanted more ribs. We got more ribs. And it's just, it's one of those. It was a, it was a great deal because we were actually between whispering Canyon and Allen compass for that, that, that breakfast. And we, I was like, I want to go over and see whisper whispering Canyon. So that's why we did that. So 
I had both of them reserved, but we went with the Whispering Canyon. I like it. That's uh, definitely a great tip and, and something to keep in mind more broadly. For me, my, my biggest budgeting tip for families going to Walt Disney World, and, and I do want to talk about the gift card stuff a little bit here at the end, but my first one is is talking about food in particular, something that we love to do. We We love to order groceries to the resort. And it's a huge opportunity, particularly with kids that either are picky eaters or don't necessarily eat like a big breakfast. If you've got a small breakfast at the resort that you got from the grocery store, you can save a ton of money. Just looking at it, BOMA for breakfast for kids is $22 per child. If you're eating at the resort, a banana, some fruit, and a Pop-Tart or a bowl of cereal or or whatever, you're going to save potentially 20 bucks a child at least because you're not talking about tax and gratuity in that $22. That's a huge savings. You're talking, you could save $100 a day. Easy, I think, on breakfast. You add in snacks, and this is especially if you're not on the dining plan. Because if you're on the dining plan, you want to maximize those snacks and those meals. But if you're not on the dining plan, you know, getting your snacks from the grocery, you can have Amazon through Whole Foods delivered straight to your resort. It's a really convenient process. We did it the day before when we set the arrival time for the food to be a couple hours before we arrived at the resort. We got there. The food was already there at the resort. They keep it in a refrigerator and then they bring it to your room for you. And it doesn't get any easier than that. You can also do it through Walmart. I think Garden Grocers one. I think Target might do it too. Instacart, I, all those things. Yeah. So, so we Instacart when we were at Old Key West this summer and we just had them deliver it directly to our villa. And they, they literally walked it to us. I met them halfway because they parked in the wrong spot, but I met them halfway and gave them a tip and they brought a case of water and probably about a hundred dollars worth of groceries and it was easy. Super and if you're staying at a villa where you have the the kitchen, the full kitchen, you know, Saratoga Springs, which is what we're doing in January, it's huge because you can actually cook a small meal. You can make some eggs. I think it's it's a really, you know, good convenience, but it's a, a way to save a ton of money on park food, particularly those snacks. And you could even get into lunches, right? Like if you yep. if you come back to your resort and you hit the pool, Instead of going and eating at a restaurant or eating at the quick service restaurant at your resort, you can have, you know, your groceries there and make a sandwich or whatever. And we also like, I think people forget this a lot too, DoorDash and Uber Eats deliver to the Disney resorts. And there's a lot of restaurants really close by. On our last trip at Animal Kingdom Lodge, we had Jersey Mike's delivered on two different days for the adults. So we wanted deli sandwiches. We wanted to kind of avoid park food. And when you talk about DoorDash and Uber Eats, the fees start the the fees and the tips start to eat up your potential savings there. But at least you're not kind of stuffing your face with park food the entire time, especially if you're on a five or seven day trip. Sometimes that can get old. So having some options that you can make for yourself or, you know, get from a local restaurant, get Chipotle or whatever is a really good option to have. Chip, what what's your next budgeting tip? So, so I kind of was thinking about this when you when you texted me this idea today that we were going to discuss this. You can't really save money on, um, like like tickets. It's really hard. Like that, that's where you get into the packages and all that. So, so like saying you're going to go save a thousand dollars by buying tickets, that you can't do that. Like so, that's that. It comes down to food, 
and merchandise, I think, is the big two things that you want to save money on. Um, so one of my tricks, and my wife will tell you this, is buying clothes here. So she, goes, she my wife's at Goodwill, frugal. She's frugal. She loves Goodwill. She's never seen a bad Goodwill. Um, she gets all her kids' outfits from Goodwill. They all say Mickey. They all say Disney World. She's gotten Disneyland stuff. So being able to go, go, one of my kids just walked in, being able to go and get clothes at You're Goodwill. Good, man. Don't worry about it. Yeah. I'm not worried. Going to get clothes at Goodwill, Salvation Army, anything like that saves a ton of money. And, and I'll go with souvenirs too. Mm-hmm. She'll go to our local Target, our local like dollar spot at Target at Walmart and get souvenirs put in the bag and then we'll give it to the kids when we get there. Mm-hmm. There are a couple things I will say you cannot buy that for cheap. They're better to buy a park and that's the fan. The little park fan squirter thing. Mm-hmm. The one in the parks, the one in the parks legit. The cheap ones <laughs> are awful. <laughs> and and I'll tell you just as a personal anecdote, I'm I'm like the worst with like I love to buy when it comes to clothes, particularly hats. When I'm at Walt Disney World, I love to buy hats. I've got some of them for those that can see on YouTube. <laughs> literally has the tag still on it that I bought on my last trip. And somebody brought this up to me the other day. I I never wear Disney stuff at Disney. So if you look at pictures of me at Walt Disney World, I just found this interesting. If you look at pictures of me at Walt Disney World for my last like probably 10 trips, you won't see me ever wearing anything with Disney on it. But when I'm at home, it's all I wear. And I, I there's there's two things that I like to buy at the parks is is the hats, just because I, I really like those Nike park hats that you can only get at the parks. You can't buy them elsewhere. And then I, I'm a spirit jersey guy. I, I really like those long sleeve shirts because they're really comfortable. So I like to wear them kind of lounging around the house and, and stuff like that. But you again, you won't you won't see me actually wearing it at Walt Disney World though. But that's that's a great uh, great point yeah. for sure. I'm with you. I wear them all the time up here. Like I, I wear both, but like my closets, Maslin stuff or Disney stuff or teaching stuff. That's really it. I told my wife, like, those are your options. I don't need it. I don't need any other clothes. <laughs> Just buy those. That's exactly right. You know, the one I want to touch on that I think you commonly see on social media, but people sometimes forget about is, you know, there are, are some gift card hacks that, that you can save you some money. And you know, sometimes the, the biggest one I think that people talk about is the Target Red Card hack, which is if you have the Target Red Card, it's it's attached to your debit card. So you don't have to get a credit card or go into credit card debt for that kind of thing. You get 5% off on any of your purchases at Target and you can buy Disney gift cards. Effectively, you can buy your entire vacation worth of gift cards you can condense them down to a couple gift cards so that you're not using, you know, 50 of them. Although I have had clients that'll call me, I bought a $50 gift card and I'm happy to do it. Bought a $50 gift card. I want to make a $50 payment this week on my vacation. And they'll, they'll call me and they'll pay, you know, every two weeks or so, which is a great way to do it because you're not writing a two to $5,000 check all at one time. Sometimes people, you know, really just don't want to do that. And sometimes when you sneak, you know, you, you think about 5% of $50 and you're like, ah, I'm not saving that much. Like, what is it? Two or three bucks. When you talk about 5% of $5,000, it's a different conversation. Yes. And, you know, so it's, it's, it can be some work and there is some time value of money thought there as well. 
but it's definitely something to consider. The big one that I like personally is Costco gift cards. Not necessarily for Disney because you don't usually see great deals on them, but for the Southwest flights, Costco gift cards are huge. And Southwest points, like Southwest, I think today had a deal for 50% off points. You have to be like kind of wary of making sure that you're not spending more money buying points because the amount of points on your flight is too high or whatever. You got to kind of do the math, which I hate math. You got to do the math a little bit. But if you really, you know, kind of look at some of those deals and watch for them as you're planning your vacation, you can save some money there. And, you know, sticking on the gift card, credit card stuff, Disney Visa Rewards Card gets you uh, interest free when you purchase a vacation for, I, I think, three to six months, something like that. Yeah, and I think it's six months. Yeah. So six months interest free on a $5,000 vacation is, is a huge savings. And, and the last one, I, Jocelyn Martins at the Magic for Less touched on this last week. And I, I thought it was a really great idea. And Chip, I'd love to know if you do this for your oldest. Getting them Disney gift cards like in advance of vacation. And then like they've got that gift card to spend. My kids are a little too young for this. But, you know, throughout the year, their allowance goes to a different Disney gift card or you get them one for Christmas or whatever. And when they get down there, they've got a gift card. They know how much money's on it and they get to spend it on what they want to spend it on. And it's a good way for them to kind of learn about money and value and, you know, hard work and all that kind of stuff. But it can also help you budget because then your kid's not going to get down there and, you know, be asking for hundreds of dollars worth of stuff because they know they've got their own money to spend. Do you do any of that? Yes. So we do that. We don't really say like, hey, this is the set amount. What we kind of say is, hey, you get one thing. Let's be under a certain amount. This past Mm -hmm. trip, we got into pin trading. um, So we bought them starter kits. um, And so that's probably going to be one of our things where, hey, you can get a pin. And then maybe one other thing and, and probably be under about 50 bucks. But kind of what a couple things I wrote down with yours of the gift gift cards is Sam's Club, Black Friday, they'll do like a $200 gift card for 180 bucks, which I think is, what is it, 10% off. Mm-hmm. So I'll do that. We do that. We'll, I'll get into my third option is kind of what you talked about. So I'm a travel hacker. I started in March. Our last trip, we pretty much paid with all points traveling. So with that being said, I'm going to put a big thing out here. I don't, I teach financial algebra to my kids. I teach in, my, in high school. I teach financial algebra. I you tell can do all my math for me. Well, that, and I tell them, don't open a credit card. They don't need a credit card at 18. Right. Now, if you're responsible and you understand how your money works, yeah, you can use credit cards to make it work. And no offense, but the Disney visa is terrible. But I have one and I've, I've started to get away from it, but I have one and use it. I just you know, pay it off and, and that kind of thing. So, so a couple of things I'll say is the travel, the chase Sapphire preferred is what I would use. You can use that and switch points over to Southwest. My wife and I are both going for the Southwest companion pass this upcoming year. So what that essentially means is I can, I can fly and then I can take one of my kids for free. All we got to do is pay the $5 and 60 cents or whatever. And then she can take a kid as well. So then we're only paying for really four tickets or three tickets, which is really nice. It's a it's a huge savings, but you, and you have to, for people that aren't aware, definitely look that up a little bit because you've got to, you got to get a lot of points or yeah, a lot of so, flights, which, but I'm guessing you're going to be on the, a lot of points side. So I'll be you on can a get lot bonuses of points. for bonuses for signing up for different cards and all that stuff. Right. 
so so yeah so that's what we'll do and it's like we have a business like we'll get business cards which my wife being a realtor and doing some side hustle things even if you sell anything on facebook that's a that's a that's considered a business if you sell one thing on facebook marketplace it's considered a business and so case case is the bank to go through now they have a rule 524 means you can't open five credit cards in 24 months or you won't be able to open a chase card now some other banks like american express will let you but i'm not the expert in it i'm learning it as i'm going but um i would say the flights is the biggest thing like i could we 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 have a the big suv so we had we had a nissan armada and then we got the the big suburban or we have the escalade esv the big one um because we were planning on driving to florida we knew we were going to go to disney we're gonna have to get a big car i got into travel hacking i'm like we're never driving ever so if being able to fly and i don't i mean my wife's like wait a second we just save fifteen hundred dollars by flying on points it's it is a game changer it's cuts now what if magical express comes back which i'm hearing rumors matt i don't know about you if you're on the boards like i am i i pay attention but you know it i'll believe when i see it is one of those led, things led tests that talked about it on the podcast this week that they're they're in the surveys they're getting it back so hopefully um but but that's my biggest travel hack is if you can get flights for free um and with gift cards you can do that like so if you go to like office depot or state not staples office depot office max any of those and you have a business chase business card you get five times the points so if you buy a hundred dollar gift card at, of Disney, it's five hundred points towards Chase, which then you can transfer to Southwest one to one. It's a great deal. So mm-hmm. and that's it's kind of my just important. Hacking. It's just important to like make sure you do your research on that stuff, and because it does take planning and a lot of thought into maximizing those things. And when you go for the Southwest Companion Pass or whatever, you have to go for it. Like you can't. Yeah. You can't you can't halfway that stuff. So it's important to like really plan it out and give it a lot of thought. And there's definitely some opportunities to save a lot of money there. The last one I want to mention before we jump into our listener questions is, and and Chip hit the nail on the head that like, you don't, you're not going to be able to save money on tickets really. Like you, you can't go to certain other secondary markets and find cheaper prices on tickets or whatever whatever the Disney prices are for tickets, that's the price for tickets. And whenever they put out a promo, then you might get lucky. But I do think it's important to keep in mind, like thinking about what your ideal vacation is and saying, all right, are, are we going to spend some time at the resorts and then you get less tickets or, and you stay at maybe a nicer resort or are we going to be at the parks all day, every day and you stay at a lower cost resort so that you're, you know, you really just need somewhere to lay your head down at night and you don't really care as much about the pool or whatever else because you're not going to be there. And that right there can save you a ton of money yep. because, you know, those those tickets do add up. And if you save yourself two or three days of tickets, you know, you can for a family of four or five, you can save, you know, close to a thousand dollars or whatever just by having two days without tickets and spending more time at your resort. You put a thousand dollars towards a you know a room, a better resort upgrade or a better room upgrade, and that can have a big impact on your vacation. It, the worst thing that you can do, in my opinion, is like you know pay. Say you're going on a five to seven day vacation and you want to stay at the Polynesian, 
and then also get seven days, five to seven days worth of tickets. Because you're you're one way or another, you're not getting the value out of the resort or you're not going to get the value out of the tickets. So keep those things in mind. I think that that's kind of helpful too, is just what kind of vacation do I want to have? Do I want to spend more time at the resorts or do I want to spend more time at the parks? And then really pick your resort and your ticket amounts, you know, based on those different factors, I think is really helpful. And, you know, as I have to, I have to plug it because it's what I do, like use a travel agent. I I don't talk about it much on social media, like in terms of pushing in a salesy way, the use of travel agents, but they're free. And our job is literally to watch for discounts for you. So if Disney rolls something out, we've got an eye on your reservation. We can get it applied and get, you know, get you the value that you need. Whereas Disney's not going to come running to you if you've got a vacation booked to tell you, hey, we just took, you know, 50% off kids tickets and dining plans or whatever. Let's go ahead and add it to your vacation. No, unless you see it and you're actively watching it and you contact Disney to make sure you get the, you know, the new pricing, they're not going to do it for you. So I think it's important to have somebody in your corner that will actually, you know, help you with those things and help you understand them. And they can talk to you through how to save money. So obviously, I, you know, I'd love if you reach out to me or at Adventures of a Disney Dad through the Magic for Less and I can help you with your vacation. But it is really something to keep in mind. I, I tell people, even if you're not going to use me, use somebody because it, it really is worth it. And, and definitely keep that in mind because it can save you a lot of money. Listener questions. And I remembered, I remember to write down the names for this week's listener questions. So I appreciate everybody that reached out through social media or some of these are from guests that have emailed. We really appreciate it. Chip listener question. Number one, what's the best way to tackle all four theme parks in one day? Is it feasible from Laura? What do you think Chip? It is feasible. Yes, you can do it. It's going to be, Come more realistic once they drop the 2 p.m. I, I mean, it's doable with uh, 2 p.m., but I would hit up, I would definitely go probably Animal Kingdom, either Epcot or Hollywood Studios, and then go to Magic Kingdom, end at Magic Kingdom. The reason I say Animal Kingdom first is it's the biggest and it normally closes the earliest. So it is, it also feasible. opens the earliest usually. Yeah, it does open sometimes like 7 30, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. So I, I would recommend doing that. Go out and number one, it's all, I think it's also the hot, hottest park. So go out there, go to go go hit the safari up. Which now we're talking walking because if you're walking from the parking lot all the way back to the safari, um, but it, it's feasible. That I just you'd have to have it planned out. You've got to take the next day off. <laughs> yeah, and and for me, if you're going to consider visiting all four theme parks, you really have to think about who's in your party. If you've got grandma and grandpa with you, or if you've got little kids, it's you know probably not the greatest idea. Even if you could do it, I don't think I'd recommend it in that scenario because you're going to be wiped. Yeah. But if like I I've done solo, I've done four parks and like five resorts in one day. Oh, and yeah, and part of that was like getting content for the website. So I wasn't like, you know, relaxing at these places, but I was doing attractions and I was eating and snacking and doing all that kind of stuff and riding the transportation. So if you've got like an adult trip or like, 
a trip with your, you know, dad and mom, or, you know, or if you're doing a solo trip, which I, I think solo trips are great. I'm a big proponent of them. I was a little uncomfortable with them at first, but I definitely would encourage people to do it if you can. It's definitely feasible and you can definitely do it. It's just, you know, it's a lot of walking and it's a lot of quick pace, but, and, and you just have to know what you want to do at each park, you know, when you're doing it. And you also have to really get a good understanding of the transportation. Because again, you're, you're not able to get from park to park immediately on the different transportation options. You've got to, you know, think if I'm going from Epcot to Magic Kingdom, I'm taking the monorail to the TCT to the TTC, and then I'm getting off and getting on a different monorail, or I'm going to a boat. Or if I'm at Animal Kingdom, I'm taking a bus to the Polynesian and then taking the monorail to Magic Kingdom. So you really have to think those things through. Otherwise, you're going to be kind of up a creek. And so if, if you're not really comfortable with Walt Disney World and the transportation, I would not necessarily encourage it, but it's definitely feasible. That's the like, that's the long answer. Yeah, I, I would go like Animal Kingdom to like a Skyliner Resort, Riviera Pop, go to Hollywood Studios and take the Skyliner to Epcot and then take the monorail to Magic Kingdom. That's That's my path of what I would do it. That way you're avoiding buses is all at all possible, but that's what I would I, do. I think the huge hack there is... You transfer at resorts that you want to eat at. Correct. And that that's what I really enjoy. So, you know, you go to the Polynesian, you eat at Kona, and then you go to Magic Kingdom or, or Epcot or wherever. But if you can pop to a resort, you know, between the parks that you want to eat something or grab a drink or a snack or check out a shop, like sometimes like the Polynesian in particular or the contemporary, people like to shop there. So if you want to come in and pop in for the shops, those are great, great opportunities there too. Or, you know, sometimes you want to check out the pool or, or uh, there could be other reasons to visit different resorts, but you can definitely make it happen and make it, you know, worth your while. How do I make sure I get a reservation at Cinderella's Royal Table? I, I really love this question because when you talk about rumors, there's been a lot of rumors lately about this issue. I don't know if you've heard this, Chip. Uh-uh. There's a lot of rumors in the Disney world that Disney's going to have dining reservation alerts directly. Right now, if you're not familiar, you cannot get an alert for an, a dining reservation coming open during your vacation. But from Disney, that is. But there are some services that charge for it. Chip and listeners of early episodes of the show will know I cannot stand those services. I think... It's pretty gross that they charge people for them when there are services out there like thrilldata.org um, you can go to and you can get alerts for free when a dining reservation opens up. So the biggest thing is if you're working with a travel agent, your travel agent will help you do this. But if you're not, either way, it's 60 days before your first day of check-in, you have to be online on the My Disney Experience app first thing in the morning, ready to book your advanced dining reservations. Cinderella's Royal Table is a popular one, particularly at different times. Like if you want to try and get right before the fireworks or right after the fireworks, those are going to be tough to get. And you can try and book them at that point. And the biggest thing is like, it's hard to explain to people unless you're watching here on YouTube where you can see my hands, but I'm going to try and do my best. I'm going to do my best here. 
your 60 day window is based on the first day of your vacation when you check in. So your best opportunity for dining reservations is going to be at the back end of your stay. So if you're staying for seven, you know, or eight days, those days, five, six, seven, eight are where you want to first look for the difficult dining reservations. So Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique, Cinderella's Royal Table, those kinds of reservations. You want to try and look at the back end first. And that's because other people haven't become eligible unless they've also got long vacations to be able to book those dates. So if somebody comes in and they've only got a four-day vacation and their window starts the same day as yours, they're not booking days five, six, seven of your vacation. You with me, Chip? Yeah. So that that's the biggest hack is check the back end of your vacation first and plan backwards. And then if you don't get what you want this in this instance, Cinderella's Royal Table, it's not the end of the world. You or your travel agent can keep checking. There are some hacks that say around 1130 p.m. Eastern and later is when things start to open up and refill. There's a lot of different theories about those kind of things. I like to just check them. But I tend to go to Thrill Data, put in my email and what my guest is looking for, and they'll send me a notification when something becomes available. And I really do hope that Disney comes out and fixes that and does something directly to have alerts available for Disney dining reservations because it's such an easy thing to do. I debated coding one for our website because there is a a public data point available for Walt Disney World. But in the recent update to the dining reservation process, they put in like basically a second step that blocks some of these sites that are trying to charge people for it because they're making a side hustle on, you know, just being able to book a dining reservation. And it just doesn't sit right with me. I'm, I'm entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial, (laughs) but it gets, it gets under my skin a little bit. So and Chip, anything that I missed in answering that question that you, do you have any other ways that you do it or you look at dining reservations? Yeah, I, I'm with you hundred percent. You gotta look at the back end of it. I would also say it's cool to be up there. I would go for breakfast. Dinner's overrated. It, it, it's, it's really expensive and it's okay food. It's I mean, you're not going there for the food. I mean, yeah, there, there's, you can't, you can't go in there for the food. It, it's, it, it's expensive. Honestly, I think, Beauty and the Beast is might be better, but I, that's just me because I like that castle better and whatnot. But it, it you gotta you gotta get up early and do it if you really want it and want to make it happen. You gotta get up early and make it happen. I, I, in my opinion, it is absolutely worth it for like the princess day with your daughter doing bibbidi boppity boutique and getting to be able to have a meal in the castle and see Cinderella, and it's much more intimate than. Be our guest, where yeah. you know Bell and Beauty and the Beast is. Um, Beauty and the the Beauty and the Beast. Be our guest is uh, to me. It just feels like there's a lot more people in there, there um, is, and yeah. it is it is an awesome environment. It's really cool, and these are things that I always recommend people do once. So, like if you're going on your first trip, I definitely recommend you try and do it, especially if you have a daughter. I, I really think it's worth it in that sense. But to Chip's point, you're not going for the food. You're not going there because the the food is fantastic. And that's not to say it's bad. It's not bad. It's just that for the cost that you're paying, it's not it's not going to blow your mind. And if I go have if I go have a meal like that expensive in Chicago, I want it to blow my mind. <laughs> so you have to get out of that. What Jocelyn say last week, you have to get people to understand that, you know, eating a, a dinner at Disney World is the cost of eating in New York City. Yep. 
it's just that it's not, you know, five-star Michelin restaurant quality food all the time. And that doesn't mean it's bad, but it's just not, not the same. So jumping in here, there, these are two questions that I get all the time. And Chip, I'm, I'm really eager to hear what you guys have, what you have to say for you and your kids is Ashley asks, is rise of the resistance scary for kids? What about slinky dog dash? So if my two kids were here, they would tell you ages. What, what, just so everybody knows what, what ages yeah, so are they? Kenzie's Kenzie's 10 bear just turned eight on Monday. He would. They would both tell you that Slinky Dog is scary. Rise of the Resistance is not. That's uh, interesting. They, they, when when I, did I, they I, first write it? How old were they? Well, this is two thousand twenty-one. So two years ago, three years ago. Okay. Um, um it'll be summer twenty-one. So it'll be three years this upcoming summer. So they were what seven and five, seven and six, eight, yeah, something like that. And Kenzie had ridden roller coasters before, but they thought it was scary. They thought Snakey Dog was scary because it, it, I mean, it's got some turns, but it's a smooth ride. They did, she did not want to ride Rise and she loved Rise after, after riding it. Um, so yeah, that's my, yeah. I, I think, uh, well, and we've got opposite, well, not opposite, but we've got different perspectives on this just from the experience of our kids. But I'll, I'll mention kind of what I tell guests generally. And it's that like when you go to Walt Disney World for the first time and you've not ridden these rides as a parent, there's not an opportunity for you to ride them first and check and see if they'll like it and then them ride it later. So I really do encourage people. I know it takes some of the the magic out of things, but watch a ride through on YouTube of the rides before you go down there to get a good understanding of whether or not these rides are a good fit for your children, particularly with Rise of the Resistance. My kids are five and three and have both, my daughter was four when she first rode Slinky Dog and, I, and she was four when she first rode Rise of the Resistance. She was fine on both of them. She was more scared on Rise of the Resistance. Slinky Dog is her absolute favorite ride and she's five years old and my three-year-old has ridden Slinky Dog a number of times. He was a little scared of it at first, but he loves it now too. But they've both, my three-year-old just became tall enough rise of the resistance so i think he's right at that you know that cusp or whatever but the the biggest thing with rise is the queue and the pre and these are they're spoilers here so fast forward a little bit (laughs) if you don't want to hear any spoilers but before you get on the actual ride is the scary part and it's because you know you go into this like you're rebels on a rebel ship that gets captured by the first order and they treat you like you're a prisoner. Well, everybody's seen the picture of all the stormtroopers standing up. It's like the iconic photo opportunity where you're getting on the first order ship and there's all the lineup of stormtroopers that look like they're real. And it looks like you're looking out at the galaxy and you are immersed in it. But the next part is you go to prison. Yeah. <laughs> like you're in the first order jail and Kylo Ren is yelling at you and stuff. And that can be a little scary for kids. So, you know, that's that's the part that I think people have to think about is not necessarily the ride itself, because the ride itself is very much like Mickey's Runaway Railway, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. It's in like a moving car with no track. And there's a short drop, which is different, I think, between the two rides. But otherwise, it's very similar. But it's a lot of blasting, a lot of shooting, a lot of that kind of stuff. So it's loud. It's it's, it's loud. Yeah, it's very loud. 
But I think when you talk about actually scary, you know, characters to kids, it's that part where you are a prisoner of Kylo Ren's and, you know, the way that they kind of yell at you and stuff like that, it can be a little intimidating for kids. But so, they, they, also, they also read the room. So with little kids, if you're freaked out, they're not going to be as bad. Like they're oh, of course. But what I will tell you, it's a billion dollar ride and I think it's worth every penny. I I love it. My kids loved it. My kids are again five and three, and they're not scared of it. So, you know, the, uh, but I do think it's worth doing the due diligence as a parent. Just yes. watch it. I, I I'm a Star Wars fan. I hate spoilers, but just watch it to make sure you know that they're going to be okay with it, and then and then go for it. And I I definitely think it's worth it. But Slinky Dog, in my opinion, is probably the best ride at Walt Disney World for kids. That, that's yeah. just my 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 thought on it i i think it's the best coaster it's above you know the barnstormer or those little entry-level coasters but it's also not too much and it's just a lot of fun the theming is it great is i think it's i think it's a great coaster so that that covers our listener questions let's jump into overrated or underrated chip we're going to do this a little abbreviated because we're hitting that one hour mark for our guests our listeners here. And so I want to jump into these somewhat quickly. Let's talk about it. Jungle Cruise. Overrated or underrated, Chip? I'm interested to see as, what you think about this. As a dad joke connoisseur, it is underrated. I love the I love the Jungle Cruise. I love it. I don't know why. Just do. It it hits it hits the overrated for me only because it's got the haunted mansion vibes, I think, for a lot of people that aren't like huge Disney fanatics. Like we as Disney fans hype it up so much. Like I love the ride and I, I do love the Disney jokes. And I like that it's relaxing and uh, original and it has the history, but because it's so hyped up by original Disney fans, people that are going for the first time are like, this is really what you guys are all excited about. And, and, and that's what happens with haunted mansion, right? Which we talked about yeah. a couple of weeks ago is they get off it and they're like, why do you, why, why are you so obsessed with this ride? Yeah, I don't know. And it's, I don't know. it's hard to explain. So I, I, I agree with you. Next one, overrated or underrated magic bands. Are you a magic band guy, Chip? Oh, I love the magic band. It is underrated. Just for the simple fact is I don't have to carry a wallet. I think that's the biggest thing is security of losing anything and we buy i buy the extra clips or whatever that go under on your watch or like to help keep it on the problem is i don't like the new ones being so expensive but i do all of my kids have them so <laughs> i did a four buy them and but i'm not gonna buy one every time now we've we all have one we're, we're happy with it so i do think it's underrated i i agree they're tremendously underrated and I think that's partially because a lot of people don't even understand that they can get them. Yeah. Like, and I, I think most of us that are so immersed in Disney, like magic bands are just an afterthought because we always have them and we reuse the same ones from older vacations. And so do our kids. But there are a lot of people that are new to Disney that, that don't even know a whole lot about magic bands and they don't know how to use them. And sometimes they go there without them. And it's definitely possible now to just use your phone or just use your watch but man, they're convenient and and they're really nice to have. And the last thing you want is to rely on your watch or phone and then the, your watch or phone dies. Yes. The Magic Man, you don't it, have that problem. Even if you don't charge it, it doesn't die. Like it's a, like, 
the Magic Band Two or, or whatever that's called now. The plus. original. So the the ones that like are more expensive now, you have to charge, and they come with a charger. But the the older ones don't need to be charged at all. And I've had mine for years and never had a problem. So well, and that's what if if the one the new one dies, the Magic Band Plus dies, it still works to like open mm-hmm. your door to charge things. So it just the vibrating and lighting up will will stop working. Yeah, and and I will rant about it all the time. Like your phone's going to die at Disney World if you don't bring a power charger. It's <laughs> going to happen. You spend way too much time on it, and that's just the kind of the way things work now. Last one, overrated or underrated? Our resort. I I don't know, Chip. Caribbean Beach. What do you think? If the Skyliner is running, it is underrated. But for the majority of it, I'm just going to say it's overrated. Because it's so spread out that it is not, it's just not fun. It's cool looking, it's beautiful and all that, but it's so spread out that that's what, like if you're on one side and you, you got to get to the other side, it takes forever. So I, I would say it's overrated. I The only reason why I'm going to say underrated, I don't personally like to stay there. And for me, it's just because I don't like the theming that much and I don't like the color schemes and things like that. And it is really, really spread out. And also the restaurants aren't like great for my palate and my taste and my family's taste. But the Skyliner is a huge, huge benefit there. But I'm going to say underrated just because I I do think that like not enough people appreciate those moderate resorts and the opportunity to be on the Skyliner, I think is huge. And people just kind of disregard it and either go to the lower level of deluxe or they just stick to a value. So to me, it's like it's a really good opportunity to have a really great vacation. I think it's a little underrated and not hyped up enough for the value that it has of being on the Skyliner. And it is a cool it's a cool location and it's so close to everything. So to me, I'm, I'm going to say underrated. And that's with me saying, like, I don't personally like to stay there, but. And there are a lot of people that love Caribbean Beach. Like that's their resort, the way I am about Coronado Springs. So (laughs) that's that's an interesting one. But that's the that's the one we're gonna end on. That's gonna wrap it up for this episode. If you have any comments or questions, don't hesitate to reach out to us on social media or via email. I can be found at at Adventures of a Disney Dad. Chip, let everybody know where they can find you. At a Robinson Dad Life on Instagram and then at Chip Robinson on X. I haven't changed it yet. (laughs) <laughs> that a boy. And if you are interested in having me assist you in planning your next Universal or Disney vacation, please feel free to reach out. All of the links to get a free quote are in the show notes, or you can reach me at, at adventuresofadisneydad.com. Our services are free to you, and we'd love to help you plan your dream vacation. If you have a moment and could follow, subscribe, like, and review the podcast on whatever platform you prefer, we would greatly appreciate the support. We know you have a lot of choices when it comes to the content you consume, and we hope this episode brightened your day a little bit. And thank you for spending some time with us. I want to mention really quickly before we sign off, we've got some awesome guests coming up on the show over the next couple of weeks. So if you're interested in being a guest on the show, reach out to us on social media. We would love to have you. And we're really looking forward to some of our episodes coming up. We've got some great different topics that we're going to cover. We're going to start to try and cover some different businesses, some different folks you might see on social media, different content folks. So we are really looking forward to that and continuing to grow the podcast and the website and all of those things that we can't do it without your support. So thank you so much. And uh, we will see you next time. See ya.